Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Gross, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, your best friend, and today is your lucky day. We are recording a field program. First one in a long time, and longtime Fish Nerds correspondent, Tim Beat is here. Tim Beat was the effing essayist for a while, then he moved on to making Lure Love, and then he fired the Fish Nerds and launched his own podcast, Lure Love. Also with us today is Zoe. Zoe Groves is my daughter, longtime podcaster and Tuno fan, so good morning. It's great to be here, Clay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. All right, so, so here's what's happening today. We are on... Sebago Lake. Uh, we're going to be fishing with Charlie McGee, and Charlie McGee is a guide out here. He guides with an outfit called Bucks Bass and Beyond, BucksBassAndBeyond.com. We came out with him a couple years ago with Rich Collins, and we caught about 15 huge lake trout. And the goal here now that Tim is all the way from Ohio just for this trip is Tim's going to be catching one, and we're going to kill one today, too. That's good. If you can kill something in a day, that's a good day, right? (laughs) It is. Tim, so people who don't know you, tell us who you are. I'm Tim Beat, and I am the co-host of the Lure Love podcast. As Clay said, I'm out here from Ohio visiting Maine and uh, looking forward to catching some big fish today. Yeah, And to describe this lake, we are on a public drinking supply in Standish, Maine. It's called Sebago Lake. And for about two and a half miles where we're standing, or we're on a boat right now, but from where you are, you're not allowed to touch the water with your hands. You've got to keep your fingers out of the water. What happens if you fall in? Then you broke the unit ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, describe the lake today. It was supposed to be windy and rainy. What do we see out here? Uh, it's kind. It's a real. It's like glass right now, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can't really see reflections, but it's like glass. Uh, and the trees are yellow and red and at like peak foliage. Um, and it's very big. Yeah, and, and this is a big lake, and you've never been on this lake before. And t- Tim, you've never been here before either. No, I've never been here before. Matter of fact, I fish for stripers a lot in Maine, but I have never been freshwater fishing in Maine. So this is the first time, and first time for lake trout. Yeah, and you've brought some lures you want to test today. And I talked to Charlie about this yesterday, and he said, absolutely not. He wants to catch fish. Don't test any lures. So we have to work with him on that. What do you got? Well, these are not new lures. So I have been, uh, during COVID, decided I wanted to start to buy some lures on eBay. And I found that I can flip lures for a profit and keep some. So I've made about 200 bucks and I have about 500 new lures, including a lot of old spoons that I brought with me. So we'll be testing those out today anyway. And we'll just tell Charlie that this one rod's for testing. The rest are for catching fish. <laughs> this is science. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, this is future Clay and future Tim coming to you from the future. Hey, Tim. It's good to be in the future. Yeah. So it turns out a lot of our recordings that we did in the field that day didn't come out. We were testing out some new recording equipment, and the stuff that did came out came out great. But sometimes, I think we had Zoe recording, and I didn't look to make sure things were working properly, and we lost some pretty good audio, I bet. The recorder had the world's smallest on-off button. It really was impossible to tell whether it was on or off. <laughs> it, really was, it wasn't that intuitive of a device to use, but uh, quality-wise, I'm pretty happy. It's called Tascam. I forget the name of the rest of it, but you can, if you if you wonder how the sausage is made, we'll tell you that another time. But Tim, welcome back. Uh, we're going to be playing some clips that I pulled that worked from our fishing trip and talking about them, uh, and it's pretty exciting. And a kind of a preview, just future Tim. 
we did not test very many of your lures, so people who are excited about that are going to be disappointed today. We didn't because Charlie had very specific opinions about what would work, and he was right. It was interesting. We were fishing mainly with a um, a Dream Chaser lure uh, from Lincoln, Maine. It's about a maybe a three-inch white spoon that looked like an alewife, and when some of the lake trout regurgitated alewife, it did look exactly like them, so he knew what he was doing. John, fish. Yep, real. My turn. Oh, let go, yeah, let go, let go, let go. Hold on. What? Just watch. Okay. We had a lot of that yesterday. We had some misses yesterday. Right on, it's on. Oh, it's, on. A... it's on. You pull the rod straight out. It's like this move. It's straight out. Straight out. Two hands on the rod. Push towards shore. All right, so Zoe's got a fish on. Hold that rod tip up high. Yeah, put that into the butt in your in your hip. There you go, and reel it in. That's already there. Yeah, so she's got a fish on. Another giant lake trout, second one in about 20 minutes. Tim Beat got his first one on the drop, on the very first drop. Tim's going to work the net. <coughs> Charlie McGee setting up. Yep. It's like a play-by-play fishing day. Line number two, sir. Just going to send it. Setting while we're getting. Yeah, we were going to put four lines out. We didn't barely get any lines set up today. <laughs> How's it fighting, Zoe? Um, Good. Good. Tip up. Tip up, tip up. Hold it high. There you go. Yeah. Look at that rod, Ben. I better take some pictures. Very exciting. This is probably Zoe's biggest lake trout ever. Going to go for it. I can definitely put a downrigger out and we can try to drag the dirty, dirty bottom. <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> if we don't have to, I don't see any need to put a downrigger out. But you also, there are massive runs and schools on the bottom. Well, maybe we'll do it then. Well, we're here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the debate is do we put out a downrigger or not? So. Quarter mile of fish. Quarter mile of fish. We put so much line out. Charlie McGee doesn't worry about counting how many colors down. He's all the colors down. To this the backing and beyond. To the backing and beyond. He's like the Buzz Lightyear of fishing. Send it. How's it fighting, Zoe? This is heavy. Zoe's been fighting this fish for 35 minutes now. We, we paused it. We came back. We had lunch. She's still fighting the fish. It's unbelievable out here. Four more colors. Get some. Four more colors, Zoe. You're almost there. Put it in your hip. Because you know they know, like Shakira, the hips don't lie. You're ridiculous. If you just were listening closely, you heard a teenager's eyes roll just now on that one. I can't roll my eyes. <laughs> Tell us what the fight's like. Um, my hand hurts. How's this compared to fighting one on Silver Lake? I hardly ever do it. So <laughs> very exciting to hear. We got color. We got color. Tim oh, beats. I see an actual fish. Oh, we got a fish. It's also fun to use a short fishing rod and snorkel and catch fish at the same time. That's called snorkel fishing. I made my own rods too for that. I created snorkel fishing. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I love that you do that. Is it a bass? Yeah. It's a bass. <laughs> All right, we got a smallmouth bass. It's funny because we're Well, when you have all the line out, it bends a lot. There's a smallie, Zoe. Let's make sure we take a picture of that one. You know what happened is we were up in 30, 40 feet of water, and that's bass territory. So we got a bass because we were a little too shallow. I don't really care. Bass are awesome. They are. The beautiful bronze back. Get together, you guys. It is. Good colors. All right, send it. Thank you. We'll take it. We'll take another one. 
think Selks is working it. All right, Zoe's on this. her so second her second fish here. She's got one that's really fighting now. 20 feet of water. They're going to give you these head shakes, trying to pull the hook wicked hard with all their weight. I felt it. It, it usually works. You feeling a good fight, Zoe? Uh-huh. <laughs> Zoe's been fighting this fish for 82 minutes so far. No, 92. All right, I'm going to get Tim Beats, Tim Beats Net Boy today. Tim, how's it going back here? I'm just waiting for this big fish to come in. This looks a lot, lot larger than the first one that we get in. Yeah, Zoe's been working hard. Oh, here I see fish. I we got color. It's a bass. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> it doesn't look big, though. No, it worked. It worked. Your it was always fight. queen of the smallmouth. Yeah. I, I can't tell what it is. Is that bass? That's good bait. I don't know. No, it's a so so salmon. Trout. It's a big. It's a laker. Tim's really gonna reach with all his might. Nice. That's a big fat laker, Zoe. Oh, it is. <laughs> that's that's dinner. That okay, one. Over the net, bud. Over over the bimini. Over the bimini. How Not my oh yeah. That's right on my cookies. There you go. <laughs> Zoe, check this thing out. Look at this. Fish, get a picture of that. That yeah, is a nice fish. Look at your fish. Gotta get some pictures here. Because that thing just looks huge in the net. They have big teeth. We got the fish grips. We can do, do a picture. Here you go. Here. I got my fish pliers. No, I got professional fish pliers in my oh. camo backpack. Hold on. Oh, you got yours too, bud. Now we can hold these instead. Definitely put those on us. Here. <laughs> Cool. I didn't know they had teeth. Did you miss? There you go. Tools of the trade. Right. Here, take it. Excellent. And we're gonna, that's one we're going to eat. If yeah, that's a keeper. Eater. That's an eater. It's got a little belly on him. Fatty. Beauty. Let me see, Zoe. Oh, yeah. Back it on Everybody up a little bit. Stop, please. Back up a little. Back up. Step back. Take okay. him straight up and down. See how they got the pattern of the brookie but the colors of the muddy bottom of Sebago Lake? Yeah. They have this little shim shimmer on their gill plate that can be pretty cool. Rock hard structure to their jaw, awesome. which is why you lose a lot of hooks because it just simply gets caught in there but not buried. That little bone right there. See how hard it is? Bow. I'm not going to flick him. That... <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like it. All right, here. Just put him right here. Hopefully he takes it. Right. <laughs> first pass. No, you're doing turn. Do it again. Awesome. I'm gonna put that one out as soon as I do my turn. All right. All right. Good luck with that. They can be very muddy, buddy. That's still recording. The lake trout can taste like the muddy bottom of Sebago. Some people say they're good, but I wonder how much they drank before they ate that fish. Some people put oregano on their fish. Some people just use that muddy bottom. Delicious. The, the flavor is about the same. <laughs> I, I, I've, 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 I've eaten lake trout and I've never liked it so far. So we're gonna we're gonna try it. That seems to be the general consensus. Kind of muddy, kind of gross. So how does it compare to if you're catching rainbows or something? What's the difference in the taste? Rainbows taste good. Like this, the, the, the best recipe I ever made for for lake trout was I did bacon wrapped lake trout, trout nuggets. So I wrapped up the lake trout in bacon, seasoned them up fried in the bacon then I peeled the bacon off and threw the lake trout in the trash and that was yeah. perfect <laughs> yeah. no it's okay I'm doing my turn that's a good fish son I am gonna I am gonna bleed him out though
So, so if you're listening and trying to visualize what's what's going on there, we had the lead core line set up in the front of a 24 foot pontoon boat. So the person reeling the fish in was at the bow of the boat, and the net person was 24 feet away uh, at the stern of the boat, netting the fish out. And I think, in some ways, that made the pontoon boat a great a great fishing machine for this kind of fishing. Well, I have to tell you, Clay, when we were at the boat launch and I saw you drive up, I thought you're going to land small aircraft on this thing. I mean, it, the p- pontoon boat looks so big and it's 22 feet, right? 24. 24 feet. Um, but when you're on it, it was the best boat I'd ever fished on because first your gunnels aren't very big. So you have rails all the way around. So there's not a bad place to fish on the boat. And you could have, you know, 10 kids on there fishing. It's almost like fishing off a dock. It was so easy to move around. And as you said, to land the fish, you could be have the rods in the front of the boat and you could just net in the back and it was a clear shot. It was nice. And that way, because what happens, Tim, I've been fishing with kids and I see them reeling in a big fish, like a big lake trout. And it gets near the boat and the lake trout have really hard mouths. Hopefully we'll have some audio of uh, testing their mouth sounds later. But uh, but the uh, they have really hard mouths and the hooks don't get deeply set into them sometimes. And the kid gets a, the uh, trout near the boat and they want to see it. They lean forward, look over the boat, let slack in the line. And what happens to the fish? It's gone. It just goes away. Yeah. So having the, the person reeling at the bow of the boat, they're not focusing on that fish. They're just reeling and reeling and reeling. And that person can get the, that fish in that nicely. It was nice to be far away from each other for that, for that process. And that fish that we caught, by the way, was a, a lake trout. But earlier, she did catch a, a smallmouth bass, the only small the other day. Yep. It was great. But yeah, super boat to fish off of. I was surprised how fast it went too. I wasn't sure if you'd be able to get speed, but um, it's it, I, definitely, if I was looking for a guide, I would be looking for a pontoon boat. It was just a great thing. Whether you have kids or not, if you have a big crew, it's great to fish off. Oh, it's also nice too. Cause like, as I do guide on that boat and by the way, other guides, when I told them I was buying a pontoon boat to guide off, they accused me of not being a serious fisher. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, my clients are going to be comfortable when they're getting skunked and yours are going to be uncomfortable while they get skunked or while they catch fish. And also what's nice about it is I can do a lot of mixed groups. So that pontoon boat, I had a hundred year old man on the boat. I pulled out the seats and put a wheelchair up there. I have a lot of times where I have like, a, you know, six people on the boat and three want to go fishing and three want to lay in their bikinis and sunbathe. That's fine with me. You know, when if one of the dads wants to wear some bikini, he can do that. And the mom can fish with me, whatever they want to do. It's fine with me. I'm, full supporter of that yeah it was cool. yeah. well during the middle of the day zoe got tired she decided to take a nap right there it's a really comfortable boat well that's how zoe rolls by the way when she used to fish with me more often we used to go fishing with rich collins all the time which is our our, our fly fishing correspondent who hasn't been on the show in quite a long time we'll get him back uh and we used to go ice fishing with him all the time and we go out and she would drill a hole in the ice she doesn't want any sonars or high-tech electronics we'd catch a bunch of fish in the first like five minutes and then she would lay on the seat of the snowmobile and, and sleep the rest of the day. And then, and then Rich and I would just get skunked the whole rest of the time. So that's how she rolls. She catches fish and then goes, and I'm done. <laughs> Let's let Tim do it. All right, I got another clip here for you, Tim, to listen. In this bit, uh, we're actually having a conversation while we're trolling. And if you haven't been trolling, it's, there's a lot of sitting around. And Tim, you're actually asking, asking Charlie McGee about ice fishing tips. And I think yeah, this is what, yeah. 
he said that he uh, ice fishes out on the, the same lake. I mean, he knew this lake like the back of his hand, which you really need a guide at some places. As he told us, you could fish here for a year and not even see a fish because they're so concentrated into single areas. So you really need a guide to help you find those fish. Or, or the other tick tip is uh, follow a guide. And what do you use for bait when you're ice fishing? Just shiners and dead suckers. You take a sucker and you step on it. And then you send the sucker down on a hook and just let it sit there. This dead, oozing, bleeding sucker. And a lake child just come along and nail it. Ooh, fish on right there. Fish on, fish on. Tim Beat's going to get it. Reel first. Reel, 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 reel. Maintain that pressure. Now fix the pole up. Once you got that good pressure. Pressure. So he's going to work the net on this one. <coughs> awesome. This is Tim's 20th fish of the morning. Put that down in your gut there. There you go. There you go. How's it feel? It feels bigger than the first one. Awesome. Maintain that good pressure. And once you have that good pressure, just bring them in nice and easy. In case he starts to fight you too hard. Good. Just like that. Nice and easy. In 15 minutes, let me know when you see the fish. <laughs> With having all the line out, you're, you can't even tell how big these fish are. Because even reeling an empty line is exhausting. It's a... 20 pound fish and there's 48 pounds of lead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we do a little video here too. We've got Charlie McGee at the helm. Captain Charlie McGee, Bucks yes, Bass sir. and Beyond. Zoe working the net. You ready for this, Zoe? Yeah. And we have Tim Beat cranking and cranking and cranking. The goal is to make Tim hate fishing after today. It's getting closer. Hear that crank working. <laughs> oh. Is there too much drag? There you go. It seems like it's coming in. There you go. Yep, that's better. Keep forgetting I'm trying to hold a video camera and a microphone at the same time. <laughs> you got color yet, Zoe? Not yet. Tired yet, Tim? It's a lot of line. I think he's moderately tired. It is a lot of line. Charlie prides himself on sending people home with tired arms because if people complain about having sore arms after fishing, then they other people want to do that too and be tired of fishing. These so. are my good reels too. I have these reels that don't have a good a rail reel ratio. They're a little crummy. They take I, longer. I used those last time I fished with you and it was exhausting. Did it just come off? No, it's still there. And if you're from New Jersey or Delaware, I bring out the Jersey reels. Like they have like a one-to-one -one ratio, so when you reel, you feel like the line's actually going backwards. But it takes them thirty minutes to reel in one fish, three fish. My trip's over. Five hundred bucks. See you later. Go back to your hole. <laughs> there's, there's, everyone knows it's fair game to make fun of New Jersey. That's okay. That wasn't nice. That yeah. Was you still rough. still think he's there? Yeah, I think he's still there. But maybe. Oh, oh he I think he let go. Yeah. yeah, I think he's gone. Ten beat failed. Off. When they have real weight to them, they come off easier when they're wicked fat. They just do this big fat head shake and it brings the fish right off. He didn't quite have it, true. We'll get the next one. Wait, is it off? off. He's off. So should I have tightened up the drag more on that one? I don't know. <laughs> the answer is yes. But it's not our fault. It just came off. Now, we, we lost a lot of fish. 
out there. The hard thing, I think, Clay, is they're so deep. And so it's not like with a lot of fish where you can set the hook. There's so much line out there. You really just have to keep reeling and reeling and reeling and hope that that hook finds a, a place to catch because their mouths were so bony. It was really, really tough to get that to penetrate. It really is. It's funny because I do a lot of trolling on my lake, Silver, and I, I spared you Silver Lake. I brought you to where the fish were. Uh, and we actually catch a lot of rainbow trout trolling out there. And their mouths are like mush. So you hook one of those and you kill a fish just because their mouths are so soft and so weak. Then you hook a laker like those out in Sebago, and that, that hook cannot bury very deeply into their mouths, which is, which is uh, good for the fish, but bad for the catching. I like that. Well, that's that whole clip there, Tim. So that was a good catch, that one. And, and again, you hear, you hear the excitement Charlie McGee puts into everything. Like, it just... Makes it that much more fun. Yeah, the whole thing was uh, was fun. One of the things that amazed me, Clay, was we were marking alewife, the bait fish that are in there, from about 10 feet down mm-hmm. to 80 feet. And it just looked solid. There were millions of them. And so one of the things that I learned, that because the spoon looks like an alewife, so I'm thinking, how are these lake trout picking it out? So it was all about the speed. When we were trolling at less than two miles an hour, and you figure these lake trout are, are chasing them. The other fish are going just a little bit faster. So your spoon, I'm guessing, is kind of the last thing that they is is uh, is there that they see. So they're picking it up because I don't know how they would ever pick up one spoon out of all those millions of alewife. No, and and speaking of spoons, you we we had one of the, the one of the one of the uh, lakers that you caught barfed all over the boat and coughed up an alewife. Now when you say alewife, I wasn't sure they meant. The same alewife that's anadromous, like a sea-run fish, but these are landlocked alewife, like actual herring. And so one got barfed up in the boat, and sure enough, you picked it up and put it next to the spoon we were using, and that was almost a perfect match for, like, matching the bait fish. Everything. The length was the same. The eye was the same. Yeah, the spoon that Charlie had picked out from from, uh, Dream Chaser Lures was just perfect, really matched the hatch. Yeah, it really did a good job, and we got good results, too. And I, I don't think we have recording of this, but my downrigger was missing the downrigger clips, which is like the really important part of fishing. And Charlie was really keen on getting a downrigger down there because we were catching fish about as far deep as our lead core could go, which is about 50, maybe 60 feet with all the line out. There's only so much you can do to get that line down. But, you know, the boat's moving. It's not going to get to the bottom when you're in 80 feet of water. So he really was des- desperate to get that downrigger out. So I found a rubber band on the boat that was broken, and I tied it back into our band, and I used that as a downrigger clip. It's good for one fish. And the way it works is you attach that to your uh, downrigger line, which is a metal cable, and to your fishing line from your, from your rod that's hooked to. And when you catch a fish, the rubber band breaks, and it's gone, and... And you get the fish in. So we did that, and Zoe and I both hooked up fish exactly at the same time. I was using like core, and she got the downrigger one, and she got the biggest fish of the day. Because we were marking those fish, they were right on the bottom. So that downrigger, you could put the lure right where the fish are, but it was pretty tough with the lead core to get the, that spoon right at the bottom. Yeah, you just couldn't do it. You couldn't. Even if you really, really wanted to, and I, and I, and yeah. I, I just, I was kicking myself for not having the right equipment on the boat because, you know, we had Charlie out there, we had the expert with us. Now we did run one of your lures, 
like we were putting it in, in shallow for salmon, like on the surface. Yeah, and we didn't get anything uh, with it. But what was interesting to me was the species of fish was determined by the depth. So Charlie said, if you wanted to fish for smallmouth, instead of being at 80 feet, we would just troll at 40 feet. And mm-hmm. that's where the smallmouth would be. And so that stratification of the species is is really interesting. Same baits. He said you'd fish with the same spoon, mm-hmm. but the depth that you're at is going to determine what you're going to catch. Right. And that's how we do it in my lake. We're trolling for Lakers, one on the bottom. If we're looking for salmon and rainbows, we're on the top. And and there's not a lot in between two things except for smallies. Now, so. I do have a question for you. Uh, I hear people say in New England that lake trout aren't the best fish to eat. Mm-hmm. But I have a friend from Minnesota who says that that's one of the favorite fish. Is right. there a difference in the lake trout that in Minnesota versus you would catch at Sebago? No, they're exactly is biologically identical fish. Now the water could be different, you know, but, but it, hold that thought because after we finished talking about catching these fish, Zoe and I did cook one and I want to talk about that. Oh, good, so good. That's a teaser. We'll get into that because <laughs> I do want to get into that with you a little bit here. I got one more little clip from that trip here. Let's see if this works. All right, there is a fish on the line. Tim is reeling it in. I can feel them. That's what the reel sounds like. Um, I don't know. How many fish have you caught today? Well, I've lost more than I've caught. All right. How many have you caught, though? Um, I think this would be three. All right. <laughs> All right. So we don't see the fish yet. There's a lot of line out, and it's heavy lines, so it might be a while. Cool. All right, so right now there's an underwater hill on the screen. Yeah. That's cool. Going down a hill. We're seeing some fish. Yeah. Charlie McGee working the downriggers. Yep. Tim Beat working the fish. He's getting tired. Is that color yet? No color yet. Fish, sir? Yeah. Alright, good. Keep that tip off. Alright. That's around the downrigger pole. That's around the downrigger pole. Nah, there you go. He's shaking. He's shaking. You got a Shake and bake! <laughs> <laughs> he wants off. That's he a does. distinctive thing for leg trap, that head shake. You yeah, he know. wants off of there. You just know it's a leg trap. And he's going to use the weight of his body to try to jerk that hook out of his mouth. Yeah, don't give him any slack, Tim. Yeah. Don't give him any slack. Don't be a slacker, Tim. I see him. Flop a doppa. Flop a right in here. I love it when you call me Big Flopper. Good, excellent. I don't know which way should I dig it. Can he come off? Oh no, which way should no. I bring him? He's still there. I see him. Bring him in towards the boat. Keep that tip up, Tim. All right, heading to the back. Dad's netting. Um. Yeah, go over the bimini so you're reeling right over it. Yeah, yeah. And reel, 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 Tim. Reel. Oh, shoot. 
Oh, Clay, I got you. Okay, he's okay. Don't worry. Dad's exaggerating. Um, oh, he's beautiful. Look at beautiful. You got a very pretty fish. Your hand will hurt now for a very long time. There you go, sir. There's your beautiful fish. Huh? Worth it. Worth it. Beautiful. Just another like almost carbon copy of the other one, huh? Sure. Well, let me get a picture of you in the net like that. So we did it. We went on Sebago Lake, Charlie McGee, Bucks Bass, and beyond. Tim Beat, the Lure Love Podcast, Zoe Groves. What do you do? High school. High school kid, and Clay Groves. We did it. We trolled for lake trout. Tim, how'd we do? We did great. We uh, we lost. A few fish, but we caught some uh, big ones. How many? Zoe says seven fish. Eight. But we ate a fish. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I didn't see the thumb. <laughs> okay. So we caught eight fish, um, all lake trout except for one smallmouth. Yes, I caught the smallmouth. <laughs> yeah, and so we kept. We ended up keeping one lake trout to eat. Zoe and I doubled up. We, uh, we had downrigger failure problem. My clip uh, doesn't work. So we had to jury rig a rubber band to the downrigger and uh, be able to hook up one fish on that. How was fighting the fish on a downrigger versus like Corzoe? The downrigger is much easier because the um, line is lighter. All right. Charlie McGee. How's it going, guys? Oh, I was a little nervous last night. Clay says he wants to go fishing. It says it's going to be raining in 10 to 15 mile an hour winds on Sebago Lake. <laughs> He's like, I'm up for an adventure. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. But it went much better than I ever imagined. The wind wasn't quite as bad. It wasn't raining that bad. I thought it was really good. We got into some really nice fish today. I thought it was a pretty fun day all in all. It's always a pleasure uh, fishing with Clay of the Fish Nerds Guide Service. He has a similar boat to mine. He does a wonderful job out on Silver Lake. And so I'm really honored when he comes out to Sebago and joins me for the day. It was a lot of fun this morning. And he brought his co-captain, Zoe, today. Did an excellent job. I think she landed the most fish on the boat out of anybody. And the biggest. We tied. Okay, tied. But definitely the biggest on the downrigger. I got the biggest. Right. Clay, like, jerry-rigged this downrigger release out of a broken rubber band. And we're dragging the bottom in 90 feet of water, and it produces the biggest fish of the day. That's correct. The MacGyver of the downrigger world produces the biggest fish of the day. We will take it. Call that a win. Yep. Yep. All right. Any parting words there, Tim Beat? I just had a great time, and uh, Charlie taught us everything about what type of spoons to use and what color. And uh, he still has not told us... All the secrets, but we at least know that the, the white, small, about a three-inch white spoon that looks like an alewife is just the perfect bait for lake trout. Well, then we better get him one more time. Charlie McGee, tell us a secret about lake trout fishing. A secret about lake trout fishing, right? And we got to give away some secrets right now to really entice the audience. The secret to lake trout fishing is, um, the, I don't know. There's no secret. You keep fishing. When the fishing's very slow, you just keep fishing, bud. The lake trout are their own fish. They're either everywhere or they're nowhere. And just dragging the dirty, dirty bottom seems to get it done. All right, dirty bottoms. Dirty bottoms is a secret to lake trout fishing. All right, so that's it. Fish nerds out. Say bye, Tim. Bye, Tim. Say bye, Zoe. Bye, Zoe. Say bye, Charlie. Bye, Charlie. Bye, Clay. I guess. All right, let's turn this thing off.
Thank you, guys. I wish I could have come up with a good secret, but I no, that's fine. Now we need to do. It was so much fun, so much fun, and uh, it's always fun to fish for a species of fish you've never fished for. There's when you're fishing, there is so much to learn about different things. I never, I've trolled before, but never like that before. And what a specialty. I mean, it takes a long time to really get good at that. Yeah, no, I've been guiding, trolling guiding for three years. And I, when I'm talking to my clients, I kind of downplay it because I'm afraid my confidence isn't what, isn't what Charlie's is, you know, cause he can produce, he came on my lake on several lake this spring with me to help me dial my boat in. I said, look, I'll, I offered to pay him. Of course, he didn't take my money. He came out with me for free. And he came out, and we caught tons of fish, the same as we do on his lake. And because his confidence, like, he just knew how to fish for these fish. And he kept saying to me, he goes, like, you know how his voice is, like, come on, Clay, you, you know this lake. This is your water. You put them where those fish are, and you drag that dirty bottom, and you will catch those fish every time. And sure enough, we caught those fish every time. So... He knew what he was one doing. Of th- one of the things that Charlie said that was really interesting to me is he uses a 30-foot leader. Yes. Which I wouldn't think would make that much difference, but he he really believes that that longer leader is the key to hookups, even when you're fishing that deep where it's got to be pretty dark around those fish. But the 30-foot leader really does the work. And you are not wrong. So here's the trick. So he came on my boat and he said, show me your gear. And the first thing he did was, you notice my leaders were just a little bit longer than my fishing rods. I had that line that long so I could reel my stuff up and put it away at the end of the day because my swivels were too big and they wouldn't reel into the reel itself. So he goes, that's why you're not catching fish. So we immediately put in 30-foot leaders and immediately started catching more fish. And all summer long with longer leaders, I caught a lot more fish than I ever had before. So that really is, I don't know if it's science, but anecdotally speaking, there is something to it. It is amazing. Just one little change in how you fish just makes a big difference. That's what I love about fishing. You're always learning something new. Mm-hmm. You're trying some new technique. And when you do, you do that, like you using those longer leaders, what a moment that is. And you start to hook up more and you think, I got it now. Right. Well, I've got it better now. So there's still some <laughs> confidence issues. But we caught a lot more fish this year on silver. And again, if you want to find Charlie McGee, he is in Maine. Is our website's bucksbassandbeyond.com. If you're ever out in the kind of central southern Maine area and you want to go out with a guy who's going to really work hard for you and put you on fish, and he has a, he, he just bought a brand new pontoon boat for next spring, so he'll have a 24 foot brand new boat. Uh, he's the guy you want to book with. He's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to keep you going, motivate you, you know, and he's going to make you laugh the whole time. He will. Yeah. And, and a fishing guide, by the way, is not just about fishing. They are about entertainment. They, they are there, you know, to, to keep you motivated and excited. Because can you imagine, like, if you had a fishing guide you were, and, you were, and you were trolling for fish and you had, like, a, a negative Nancy kind of guide and he was like, well, we might catch a fish out here, but you never know because it's, oh, I hate this. You know, like, it just sucks. It would just be awful. I got to tell you, you know, Charlie was like watching the show. Mm-hmm. He he was just so into it. And I, you could just imagine if you had people who were kind of getting down, he was like a cheery. He was pumping you up mm-hmm. and hey, uh, you know, we haven't caught anything yet, but um, we'll be getting a fish soon. He was just amazing to watch. Right. And, and, and he just, he just, he wanted you to have fun. Like his only goal and we weren't paying him. Like we were out for fun. We were friends fishing together. 
but his only goal is let's have some fun. And so yeah. that's, that's a total win. All right. So we kept one of those fish, uh, Tim, one of the early fish we caught. And one of my, by the way, here's a fish a fishing tip. If you're going to be keeping fish and you know, when you start fishing, you're going to keep fish, keep one of the first fish you catch because you might not get any more. So if you're playing a fish fry, keep the fish <laughs> early in the trip or you might go home hungry. Uh, so we kept the second fish of the day. You caught the first fish of the day. Then Zoe got the second one and we decided to, to keep that. And what I did was I, I put it in the live well and I bled it out right away to try and preserve it and try to keep it from, you know, going bad and all that stuff. And you asked earlier about quality of meat on lake trout. They're not known in New England for being good eaters, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But in, in New England, we don't eat uh, yellow perch either, which are delicious to eat. And, I love uh, perch. I do too. They're wonderful table fish. And so I've eaten maybe about eight lake trout in since 2013. So not, not a ton. Uh, and I've never had one where I thought, oh, wow, this is great. I'm going to eat more lake trout. <laughs> uh, usually I eat them and I go, huh. In fact, we did a cook-off once, Tim, where I caught a lake trout and a salmon in the same day. And I cooked them both exactly the same way. I did a, I did a, uh, I did a maple syrup. Home, I, I get my own maple syrup, so I did a maple glaze with brown sugar and all kinds of uh, salts and peppers in that. And I planked them, so I cooked them on a plank on the grill, a cedar plank, and then I put a poached egg on them and hollandaise sauce, right? And then Ooh, some, and then good. some, and fiddlehead ferns on top of that. And the salmon, I took a bite of that, and it was so good, I, I, I about punched my baby in the face. That's how good it was. I just wanted to hit someone. Like, this is great. And I took a bite of the, of the lake trout, cooked exactly the same way, and I just felt sadness and despair. Like, I just <laughs> felt like, that's it, game over. I killed a fish for nothing. This is gross, and I gave it to my chickens. So that's my, my, my feelings about lake trout. Is the texture different between them, or was it just the taste? It was just the taste. The texture was a they, they both were nice flaky fish. They both have like an orangish pink color to their flesh. So just a taste. And I've eaten a bunch of lake trout since then, and I've tried cooking them all different ways, and never had them where they where I went, wow, this is great. So Zoe and I were talking about, you know, we killed this thing. Let's make the best use of it. And one of the great things you can do with any fish that you don't know what to do with is make. Fish cakes. Fish cakes are always good. And the recipes are so, so simple. Uh, and so we decided to kind of uh, go with a really easy recipe for fish cakes. We took the fish, and instead of filleting it, we used a spoon to pull the raw meat from the bones, hmm. which is a great method for – and by the way, you should wait 24 hours after catching a fish to debone it with a spoon. Because you have to get past rigor mortis stage, you have to like age it just a little bit. Do you ever see the um, product, the Wonder Bo- Wonder Boner? Yes, yeah. yeah so yeah. that that if you read the package directions on the Wonder Boner, it, requ- it says it says put the fish on ice for twenty four hours before you use it, right? Because the ligaments and all break down first, and you can separate the meat. So if you use a spoon to separate the meat from the bone, you get all the meat. Whereas filleting, you leave a lot of meat behind. So hmm. we, we really wanted to make the best use of it. So we just kind of spooned the meat out, had a big bowl of meat. We probably had a pound of meat from this probably three-pound fish, which is pretty good for, for, for fish, I think. Uh, and it looked good. Nice pink, pinkish, more orange than pink color meat. Uh, and then we got a food processor out, processor out and we threw a uh, sleeve of, of, uh, 
Ritz crackers in it, which is a great start for for making fish cakes. Although better than that, if you're making fish cakes, goldfish crackers are a better choice. The multicolored ones, because you have a little bit of Parmesan flavors and all kinds of stuff that get in there with it. But we, we use it, use it. Yeah, yeah, we use we have those. So we dump the we dump the uh, sleeve of crackers in. We blend that all up. Uh, we grab as, any kind of fresh herbs we can find. Throw those in. I can't remember what we use anymore at this point. So it doesn't make make any difference. And then a whole bunch of garlic and salt and pepper and grind that all up. Now, what you should do at this point is not put the food, fish in the food processor. We did. We put the fish in the food processor. But I'm telling you, as a, if you're cooking at home, do not put fish in a food processor. Do you know why, Tim? It probably just turned to mush. Well, it does turn to mush. It ends up with really dense fish cakes, right? They so if you oh, don't yeah. if you don't cook them right, they can end up becoming really like thick, and the texture's not right. So what you should do is because you spoon that meat off, you should now take that all that pulverized breadcrumbs and all that stuff. Oh, add an egg to it, by the way. <laughs> put them in a bowl, add an egg, and then put your fish in. And with your bare hands, you should squeeze all that through and mix it evenly together with your hands. But we didn't because we're lazy. We threw the whole fish in the food processor, which also worked. We just posted a couple times, though, because you want that fish flakiness to be in your fish cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine, imagine a crab cake that tastes like a veggie burger. That would be, if you overprocess it, kind of get that density of a veggie burger. You don't want that. Yeah, I've had those before where it's not flaky anymore, and it's not like crab. It's like some mystery seafood. Exactly. It becomes a different thing. The texture's wrong. So don't yeah. use a food processor. Really, that's my, my biggest takeaway from this, but we did anyway. Posted a couple times, took it out, made patties, and then put the patties in the freezer for 20 minutes because that's going to firm them up. And while they're in there, you get your pan ready, and it's super easy to cook from there. We use cast iron skillet. We put a little olive oil on it. We get it good and hot. And you want hot. I, I, one of my pet peeves is watch people cook things, and they're cooking things in cold oil. And that's wrong because you end up with, uh, you end up with like boiled meat, not fried meat. So you want hot oil, so make sure it's hot. The way you can tell if it's hot, you put a, a, a chopstick in it, and if it bubbles around the chopstick, it's ready to cook on. Once that's ready – Otherwise, the yeah. – the the cold oil it just soaks into whatever you're cooking. It does it doesn't seal it quickly. So yeah, you're, I'm I'm with you. It has to be really hot. Yeah, I'm not. And there's people in my family who I'm married to. And I won't say their names out loud. Who do that? And it's wrong. Um, <laughs> but I won't tell you who that is. But there's someone in my house I married who does that. And and so you take them out and you put them in there, and it's like two minutes on each side. Fish cooks incredibly fast, and you'll know it's done because it's perfect and golden brown and smells good and looks like food. And if it looks like food, it's done. Take it off. We served them on buns with a big slice of fresh from the garden tomato, a little bit of cheese on top, and we made some tartar sauce and put them in there. Uh, and they were really good, Tim. They were really good. And yeah, and but but we didn't really taste the fish in a fair taste because we had it hidden in tons of seasoning and and cheese and tartar sauce and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with that muddy bottom. Do you think it's – I wonder in Minnesota, for instance, if the lakes are different. I mean, Sebago Lake's super clean. It's it, a very, very clean lake, but there must be something in there that's giving them an off taste. It must be, but but I've had them at a lake in Pasaki, which is a crystal clear lake in New Hampshire. That with they, they, they describe Lake's clarity in New Hampshire by how many feet underwater can you see them. You use a sampling device that drops down, has black and white – triangles on it and you see how deep it can go like my lake is that i fish is the third clearest in the state at 18 feet of clarity 
But Winnipesaukee is like 24, 26 feet. It is incredibly clear, clean water. And they taste like garbage out of there, too. So, <laughs> so I don't know. But but me and my partner, Vinny, uh, who's my fishing partner in the wintertime, my fishing business, he says they're great. So it could be just my own taste buds. Yeah. But we did on that fish. We ate the whole thing, and then we had leftovers. And nice thing about fish cakes is leftovers. It's probably the best kind of fish lake leftovers you can have because you can pop in the freezer, and you can cook them easily. Uh, and go to and you know, have them for lunch. I like to have them reheated in the air fryer so they don't get soggy. Microwave makes things yeah. soggy, but air fried, pre cooked fish cakes, great. And you can, that recipe we just talked about, you can modify as much as you want. There's no measurements, and any kind of fish make great fish cakes. Well, tell Zoe I want her to make those fish cakes again, but only using tuna. She will. <laughs> if you were, yeah, for a long time, listeners, you'll know that, oh, gosh, it must have been six or eight months ago, Tim, we did a tuna taste testing uh, night here on the podcast and had a great time with it. And uh, Zoe did not, was not a fan of the tuna, which is the plant-based tuna fish. So, yeah. Not tasty. Not, not tasty, tasty at all. All right. Well, Tim, I think we're about out of time. Um, Tim, if you, how can people find you? You can find me on the Lure Love Podcast, which is LureLovePodcast.com. And uh, you can also find me on the Fish Nerds Podcast. Yeah. You now can find, and then. Well, and a lot, this month we're doing a National Podcast Posting Month, an APOD POMO, where every single day this month, the Fish Nerds are putting out a brand new podcast. And Tim, you're going to be sending a bunch of uh, little bits in we can use. Yeah. Lots of fishing tips that... You shouldn't follow if you want to really catch fish, but I'll, but I'll share them anyway. Yeah, and of course, listeners, uh, you we want your fishing tips, and you can record them on your phone and email them to clay at fishnerds.com, or even easier than that, just call the Fish Nerds hotline, which is uh, 607-378-FISH, and record them right on the Fish Nerds hotline, and we'll use them on upcoming shows, making like a whole bunch of like three- and four-minute-long shows, plus good long shows like this one. This is the first like outdoor show I've done in a long time. We've actually recorded outdoors. And Tim, I'm so glad you're a part of it. It was a ball to go out and record outdoors and uh, to meet you in person and be on your boat and Charlie and Zoe. Yeah, I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, it was way fun. And I, and I appreciate you making the time for us. I know how busy you get and, you know, with those trips. So we were, we're so we were so lucky to get to play with you. It was fun. Hope to do it again. I hope so, too. All right, so that's it. <laughs> You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Big thanks to Tim Beat from the Lore Love Podcast. Big thanks to Charlie McGee for, from the Bucks, Bass, and Beyond. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. What's the code, Tim? Uh, I forget. I'm not good yeah. at codes. It's been a long time. It is uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. <laughs> All right. Was that for... Legend of Zelda. That is from that is from uh, uh, oh Contra. I think it's got to be Contra. I think I got music. Fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets. Fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.